home as we always do. And the poem says, Welcome to my world, a place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last. The end is told from the beginning, and when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here swords are likened to the word, or demons of bird, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead, blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they later found to be that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place than the Yasun world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen for the real congregation that's about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. All right, so we're continuing on exploring the story of Israel. Yes. Um, now, Israel is, of course, a story of Yah's people. You know, and so we started off down this van and we completed part one. Now, part one was all about year one of Israel when they entered into the into the wilderness. When they left out of Misraim and they went into the wilderness, you know, part one was all about that experience in the wilderness during that first year. That said, part two speaks to year two within that wilderness. You know, now Israel was was and is Elohim's chosen people, the nation whose whose um, Elohim was Yahuwah. Mm -hmm. This unique status has not passed to America or to any other earthly nation. Mm -hmm. Now, that was Michael Babcock's quote. You know, very good one. I enjoyed it. I I was inspired to share it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, because it is so true. Mm -hmm. You know. Yah's chosen people is the nation of Israel. If you're going to become a part of Yah's chosen people, you, then you're going to have to become a part of Yah's nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. It's just pretty much that simple, right? You know, the nation of Israel is whom Yah made his covenant with. You know, Elohim's covenant is with Israel and it is an everlasting covenant. You know, and this is something that, unfortunately, a lot of folks that say they believe and that they're cognitive with Yah today don't understand that Yah's covenant is only with the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't recognize themselves as Israel, as Israel even though they recognize themselves as cognitive with Elohim. And, the two just cannot be, you know, and, you know, so I pray that this understanding go far and wide because, you know, you can't be covenanted with Elohim without being covenanted with, um, with him via Israel, you know, concerning Israel, he said, they shall be my people. And I will be their Elohim. Mm -hmm. He didn't say he would be the Elohim of any other people. There's no other nation in which he claimed to be their Elohim. Only Israel. Mm -hmm. 
in Israel in return said all that Yahuwah has spoken we will do. And that's important as well to recognize that there's actually something that needs to be done on the part of the covenanted believer because uh, so many people think that they can covenant with Elohim and you know they can just continue living their life as prior to the covenant and again that's just not so and so we learn this and um, we should or ought to learn this through Israel and once one has the proper understanding that only Israel is the covenanted nation of Elohim you know then you know maybe the light will come on and they'll begin to see that there's things that come along with his covenant in which they must do. Because the covenant is not without terms and conditions. Every covenant has terms and conditions. Other than that, you know, it's more of a just a promise. And Yah does make promises. You know, but when we're talking about covenanting with Elohim, his covenants have terms and conditions. You know, now, all of these things took, um, well, many of these things took place in the wilderness. And so the wilderness experience is a big part of the history of Israel. And it's not one to be overlooked or to be taken lightly. Because the story of Israel is the story of every would-be believer as well. Every would-be believer has to go through the same channels. They have to go the same way of Elohim. They have to walk in the same footsteps that they did, at least spiritually. And so this wilderness experience, you know, that we read about of natural Israelis aligns with the spiritual wilderness experience that awaits the would-be believer um, today. Now, when it comes to a wilderness, what are its characteristics? You know, um, the place that Yah is speaking of, uh, I spoke of to Moshe, um, uh, who was a type of Yahshua, is in, in the wilderness of Sinai. This is where, where they were at this particular time. And it was one of the first places on their journey outside of the borders of Mizraim. You know, so we're going to look to scripture and get an understanding of what scripture depicts a wilderness as, because then we'll understand what the scriptural uh, and spiritual aspect of a wilderness is. It's found in Hosea 2 3. It says, Lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. Mm. So hereby we see that the wilderness is likened unto a dry land. Mm -hmm. And then we have Yahu or Jeremiah, if you prefer, chapter 2, verse 31. And it says, O generation, see ye the word of Yahuwah. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel? A land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, we are lords, we will come no more unto thee. So hereby Yah defines what a wilderness is for us via scripture. It speaks to a dry land of darkness. The dryness speaks to a lack of water, which in turn speaks to a lack of what? Lack of truth. You know, and 
of and what of the darkness? What does that speak to? Ignorance. Ignorance. So speak of one being in a place whereby they don't have the truth and they're in darkness, they're in ignorance. How many of you know that's a dangerous place to be? Whether it be physically or spiritually, that's a dangerous place to be. In fact, it's so dangerous that it was thought to not be inhabitable. And it wasn't. Except Yah. Only through Yah can one make it through the wilderness experience. Only through Yah. You know, and that's what Israel had to get them through. They had Yah. Now, after Yah had covenanted with Israel, um, he told them to make him a dwelling place. See, because Yah doesn't doesn't just want to dwell with his covenanted people. He want to dwell within his covenanted people. You know, and so he asks his covenanted people to make him a dwelling place. Now, you know, what does this look like for the would-be believer? For the would-be believer that that enters into the fold now today and they come out of Misraim, that is, they come out of the letter of the word, they begin, you know, okay, I'm not just reading about this no more, I'm about to start applying this to my life. I'm about to I'm about to walk this thing out. You know, and, and they they step out of um Misraim and they go through their 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 baptism, if you would, where they're gonna they decide they're just gonna immerse themselves in the water of the word and they're going to stay there until they become something different you know they're going to stay there you know and so they find themselves in doing so they find themselves in their wilderness experience they find themselves on the other side you know in the wilderness and now you know Yah got them to a place to where you know uh he gave them tests and trials and you know they got past that and he got to the place where he offered him his covenant and they accepted it and now he's telling them make me a dwelling place so what he's saying for the would-be believer now today he's saying i need you to make me a dwelling place within you he's saying that i need you to erect me a tabernacle Within your flesh body. Make your flesh body a tabernacle for me. This is what he's saying. Amen. You know, and so he wants us to make him a tabernacle so that he might dwell within the midst of us. See, but he can't just come in because it's unclean and unholy and he's a clean and holy ale. So he has to um, have us to prepare him a place. See, and this is what. You know, the instructions concerning the tabernacle is all about. And so, throughout year one, that's what they're doing. You know, they're making them a place. They're making the furniture. They're making everything holy. You know, and then they're anointing it and setting it apart unto him. You know, uh, even they're making their uh, Ark of the Covenant and saying, yes, yeah, my mind is yours. 
I'm not going to put anything in it but your will, way, and purposes. They're saying, yes, Yah, I've prepared a table of showbread for thee. I've prepared my heart as a, as a table of showbread for thee. A place that I can put your, the, your bread of life, your teachings and instructions. Yes, Yah, I've prepared a, a menorah that there might be light in your holy, in your holy place. You know, saying, yes, I am offering my prayers. I prepared you a golden altar of incense. Yes, I am keeping your tabernacle clean. I am not putting anything unclean on your altar. Yes, I am washing, you know, um, myself with the water of the word to make certain that I am clean enough to enter into your holy place. Yes, I'm doing these things. Yes, I'm making a dwelling place for thee. Yes, come and fill my holy of holies with your glory. You know, and at some point, Yah does that. You know, and now this happened. You know, um, well, he he did that in month one of year two, and that's where Exodus ends. You know, but in Numbers, it picks up with month two, and the rest of the year. And that's what Numbers is about. That second year, they were in the wilderness. Amen? You know, so we're past this. We, we're, we're in month one. We've erected Yah a tabernacle. He's come. He's filled it with his glory. You know, and now we have our believer, you know, holy and sanctified, set apart unto Yah, filled with his presence. You know, now... What happens next? Yah calls for a census. He calls for a census. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Over that? Just what I said. He called for a census. That's what. That's what the word teaches. Let me have my first reader read Numbers chapter one, one through four, and then jump down to verses seventeen and eighteen, please. Take, take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names every male by their poles from 20 years old and upward all that are able to go forth to war in Israel thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies and with you there shall be a man of every tribe every one head of the house of his fathers and Moshe and Aaron took these men which are expressed by their names, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they declared their pedigrees after their families by the house of their fathers, according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward by their poles. Hmm. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay, so everybody, we learned that it's one month after the erection of the tabernacle of Elohim mm -hmm. that Yah calls for a census. So on the first day of the second month, you know, in the second year after they would come out of the land of Israel, mm -hmm. so he takes a military census, mm -hmm. you know, and so 
here it is. He tells them how to number them. You know, and Moshe and Aaron, they took these, took the census, and which was expressed by their names, you know, and he got everyone according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward. You know, so what Yah is doing is he's logging who's a part of him and who isn't. You know, we read in Revelations about Yahshua um, being the only one able to open a book. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, or a scroll, if you would, mm -hmm. you know. And we read in Scripture about Yah having a book of life. Well, what do you think he's writing in there? He, he, he speaks about writing names in and blotting names out. Hmm. See, what I want you to understand is that he takes the census. This is there not for, for them, you know, not because Yah, you know, wanted them to know. This is there not because Yah wanted to know who were there, who was there. Yah already knew who was there, but Yah wanted us to know that he knew who was there. If, if, if you follow me. You know, Yah wanted us to know that he knows who's there. He has a log. You know, so he tells them to make a log, and if, if they make a log, then of course they know now that he has a log as well. Because he's the one instructing them to take the log, you know. And but what I'm trying to get across is it wasn't for his benefit, in as much as it was for our benefit, so that we might know that Yah has a log of who's his and who isn't. Amen. And so here it is. He writes names in his book, and he. Scratch his names out of his book. You make it in, you want to stay in. You don't want to get blotted out, I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, but he wants us to know that yes, he has a book. He's he's keeping record. He has a he has a membership list. You know, this is just membership information. You know, and he's he's letting everybody know that he knows who his members are. Who's his covenanted people are. He's keeping a log of who they are and who they aren't. He has his membership information. Do you have yours? Let me have my next reader read Numbers 147 through 54, please. But the Levites after the tribe of their fathers were not numbered among them. For Yahuwah had spoken to Moshe, saying, only thou shalt not number the tribe of Levi, neither take the sum of them among the children of Israel. But thou shalt anoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony, and over all the vessels thereof, and over all things that belong to it. They shall bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof, and they shall minister unto it, and shall encamp round about the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle setteth forth, the Levites shall take it down, and when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Hmm. And the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp, and every man by his own standard, throughout the host. 
but the Levites shall pitch round about the tabernacle of testimony, that there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel, and the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of testimony. And the children of Israel did according to all that Yahuwah commanded Moshe, so did they. Okay. Why do you think y'all put this here? Why do you think we're being told this? Come on, this is this is the discipleship course, right? Why do you think? Say again. Yes, they do belong to Yahuwah, but so did Israel. Israel belongs to Yahuwah as well, don't they? Say again. Levites are the covering. Uh, yeah, that's true, but is to reflect the Pharisees and how they weren't in Yah's book. They weren't numbered with Israel. Well, not so much as to reflect the Pharisees per se. So Israel, how to keep a reproach? Because it says in you know, 53 that the Levites pitched around tabernacle testimony, so there'd be no wrath. So he's telling, he's telling how to keep, uh, you know, how to make sure everything stays okay. Okay. Um, how about so that we might know that there are two classes of people? You think? So that we might know that there are two classes of people. <clears throat> I know it's not all that deep. But yeah, that's why. So that we might know it's two classes of people. He's dealing with two different classes of people. Can you see that? See, now it's important that you be able to see that because so many people can't see that. Well, they can see it here, but they can't see it there. And what I mean by that is they, they read about it here, but even though Scripture tells us that Yahuwah changes not, even though Scripture tells us Yahshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever, they look at the new covenant people and they don't see two classes of people. But there is. Because Yah doesn't change. Because the same way he did it is the same way he done it. And it's the same way he will do it. There's two classes of people. There are those which are as the Israelites. And there are those which are as the Levites. There are two classes of people. And this truth has been all but lost in the present day accounting of Yah's people. But it's essential if one is to understand Yah's plan. If one is to understand Yah's structure. If one is to understand Yah's kingdom. 
you have to understand that there's two classes of people. But if you ask most clergy today, they'll tell you no. Most people don't even recognize that in being followers of Yahshua, they're Israelites. They can't even see that far. How can you be anything but when Yahshua is the king of Israel? They accept him as their king, but they say, no, I'm not an Israelite, though. That's preposterous. So, the point that I wanted, I wanted to bring out is that there are two classes of people. There are the Levites and there are the Israelites. There are those who wrestle with good and evil and prevail by holding on to that which is good. Israelites. And there are those who are attached to Yah. There are those that are joined to Yah. Two different classes of people. And so this is reflected in this passage. Yah wanted to make certain that this distinction was made so much so that he wouldn't even allow them to be numbered among them. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Only thou shalt not number the tribe of Levi. Neither take the sum of them among the children of Israel. So that ye might know absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are two classes of people. The next thing God does is he makes the arrangement. The arrangement of the tribes. See, and for a would-be believer, what this looks like is once you've erected a tabernacle within oneself, you know, for, for Elohim to exist within, you know, you have to go and find your place in his kingdom. You have to go find your place in his body. You have to go... Find your place. See, you're not allowed to just go any and everywhere. And that's another thing that's not understood, you know, in this day and time. No, you can't just go any and everywhere. You have a place in Yah. And that place is around that door that you entered in through. You know, so, for instance, if you were a stranger um, within the midst of um, Israel and you came in dealing with the people of Yahuda, then you're the encamp with the people of Yahuda. If you came in and you were dealing with um, with, with those, with um, uh, the Benjaminites, then you're the encamp with the Benjaminites. So on and so forth. 
You can't say, well, I'm tired of these Benjamin Knights and I'm about to go on over here and dwell with the Asherites. <laughs> no. You became a Benjamin Knight. Get back over there with your people. <laughs> you know, you can't just do what you want to do in God's kingdom. But so many people do just that. And that's why you walking around got have um you know Yahshua's body looking all retarded, you know, <laughs> hands hanging out with the feet, feet up there with the ears, you know. No, there's an arrangement. In Numbers two, three, four, up through there, you know. It speaks to this arrangement. It speaks to where Judah is to be placed. Where Yisachar, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, God, Simeon, Reuben. It speaks about where they're there to be placed. You know, and so everyone has their place. Now the Levites, their place is around the tabernacle because the tabernacle represents the presence of Yah. And they are the ones that's attached to, that is joint to, because that's what the word Levi means. It means to be joint to. They're the ones that's joint to Yah's presence. So he places them around the tabernacle of his presence. Just makes sense, right? You know, they are the ones that tend to it. They are the ones that carry it. They are the ones that set it up and tear it down. Amen? You know, and so this is important to understand because you're going to have a hard time getting Yah's presence in the midst of you without a Levite. Because it's the Levite's job to erect the tabernacle within Israel. See, but you have so many Israelites that think they can go around and erect their own tabernacle within themselves. No. No. In fact, a regular Israelite couldn't even touch the furniture without dropping dead. And some Levites couldn't even touch the furniture without dropping dead. Some of them had to have the furniture covered because if they saw it, they would drop dead. They could carry it, but they couldn't, they couldn't see it. So the priest had to make certain that they covered it before they came in to carry it out. Otherwise, they'd drop dead. Why do you think all this is here? It's so that ye might know that Yah is an L of specificity. You can't do things your way. You have to do it his way. And the consequences are dire if you don't. But somewhere along the way, people have lost the fear of Elohim. They don't fear him anymore. Maybe because he stopped causing people to drop dead. But it shouldn't take that, should it? We already know that he's capable. Mm -hmm. 
You know, why don't we just recognize it as favor and grace that he's not doing that? And just do right. See, you have to understand. You have to learn these things. You have to be able to see these things. You have to understand that, look, you can't erect the tabernacle within yourself without a Levite. Without someone that's attached to Yah. That's not how it works. That's not, that's not how the model was made up. Pray somebody can see that. Numbers 3, 1 through 4 says, These also are the generations of Aaron and Moshe in the day that Yahuwah spake with Moshe in Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron, Adab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Ele Eleazar, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the priests, which were anointed, whom he consecrated to minister in the priest's office. And Adab and Abihu died before Yahuwah. See, he got to bring that back to get some respect around here, huh? <laughs> when they offer strange fire before Yahuwah in the wilderness of Sinai, they had no children, and Eleazar and Ithamar ministered in the priest's office in the sight of Aaron, their father. <laughs> now, the God means liberally or freely. Abihu, his name means he is my father. El Eleazar speaks to Yah's help or else help. Ithamar is island of palm trees that is you know those that are upright you know sinai speaks to thorny thorny you know can also be cares of this world mm -hmm. now we have nadab and abihu they died for offering strange fire before yah this word strange is zur in the hebrew number 2114 it speaks um to the basic the basic meaning of the word is to turn aside you know the the participle is used of adultery, you know, and is used many times in Proverbs concerning the adulterous woman. Mm. So in other words, they committed adultery. Could it be that they turned aside by committing adultery via sacrificing or praying to another God mm. and using the fire from that God to sacrifice to Yahuwah? Mm. Now, this is just supposition on my part. But consider, Nadab's name means to be liberally or freely. Could he have been a little too liberal? A little too free? Not having any restraints? Because after this, Yah would say, no longer can you just walk up in here no more. He put a stop to that. You know, Abihu means he is my father. Does, you know, does that mean you can claim anyone as your father? Maybe this is why Yahshua said, call no man father but Yah in heaven. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Yep. You know, so I pray that you can see, like, you can't just do what you want in Israel. Not without consequence. Let me have my next reader read Numbers 3, 5 through 10, please. And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near, and present them before Aaron the priest, that they may minister unto him. And they shall keep his charge, and the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation, to do the service of the tabernacle. And they shall keep all the instruments of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the charge of the children of Israel, to do the service of the tabernacle. And thou shalt give the Levites unto Aaron, 
and to his sons. They are wholly given unto him out of the children of Israel. And thou shalt appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall wait on their priest's office. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Hallelujah. Now this is what I was talking about. There are many strangers today who, are, who come nigh Yah's temple and are doing things in it they should. And some are quite kind and, and sincere, but unfortunately they are sincerely wrong and shall be put to death in the end. You cannot do whatever you want in Yah's kingdom. You know, don't make the mistake, you know, um, Nadab made and, and get too free out here. You know, have, you know, get too liberal. You know, have too much freedom and think that you can, you know, you can be Moses, Aaron, and the elders. You know, you can just take whatever position you want. You can't. You know, Yah has an arrangement. He has a place for you. But you have to be satisfied with that place that he puts you. And if you're not, I suggest that you go and commune with him. Don't take matters into your own hand. Because this is what happens. We're told the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. I pray somebody learns you can't do what you whatever you want to do. And, and not in our faith. You know, and no one's teaching the rules. No one's telling the people what they can and can't do. It's a recipe for disaster. You had the rebellious, you know, even when they knew what to do and what not to do. But it's so sad that many people are dying because they don't know. Hence Hosea 4.6, my children perish for lack of knowledge. Numbers 3, 11 through 13 goes on to saying, Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that opened up the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. So hereby we learn that the Levites belong to Yah. Why do they belong to Yah? Verse 13, because all of the firstborn are mine, says Yah. For on that day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Israel, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am Yahuwah. You know, and he's making reference um, to what we read about in Exodus 12, 12 and 13. It says, For I will pass through the land of Mizraim this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Mizraim, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Mizraim, I will execute judgment. I am Yahuwah. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Mizraim. Because he spared the firstborn of Israel, he hollowed them unto himself. And this is why first fruits is so important. Because they belong to him. 
rather man or beast, and eventually other crops as well. Because even when he destroyed the crops, he didn't destroy Israel's. Uh, let me have my next reader read Numbers 3, 14 through 17, please. And Yahuwah spake unto Moses into the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the children of Levi after the house of their fathers by their families. Every male from a month old and upward shalt thou number them. And Moses numbered them according to the word of Yahuwah, and he was commanded. And these were the sons of Levi by their names. Jershon and Kohath and Merari. Hallelujah. So Levi does get numbered. But take note. Levi is numbered from a month old. Israel was numbered from age 20. See the difference? You know, 20 years that is. You know, so Levi... They're called pretty much from birth. Can you see that? Versus Israel, they don't become Israel until the age of 20. You see the difference? You know, 20 speaks to redemption. Number one speaks to Yah. These were his all along. Hence, he puts his claim on them pretty much from birth. After one month, they're to be, be counted his. Can you see that? Because they're even as the firstborn. He already hallowed all the firstborn to himself. He says, they are mine. For on that day I smote all the firstborn in the land of Israel. I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel. See, this is why you can't just do away with Israel. You know, and so, yes, they are, they belong to Yah. And so, here it is, Levites are numbered. Let me have my next um, reader read Numbers 5, 1 through 10, please. And Yahuwah spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out the camp every... Hold on one second. All right. um, before we go here, I just um, yeah, I just dropped something in, in my rock um, that I need to at least mention. There is actually three sets of people during this time that Yah commanded to be numbered. Anyone know who they um who these different sets are? <laughs> Israel, the Levites, and the priests. Israel, the Levites, and then the priests. Yeah. Aren't priests Levites? But aren't priests Levites? So if you numbered the Levites, you numbered the priests, didn't you? 
All right, that's, well, that's pretty much learning. you know on that one. <laughs> no and no. The army, the third one, the people, Israel. The, the no, people, not the, the army. army. Strangers. No, not the strangers. They were a part of the prospective tribes they were in. Elders. Elders, that was a good one, but no. <laughs> it was the firstborn. Oh, that's right. It was the firstborn. We didn't read over it, so this is why I, you know, I felt compelled to mention it. You know, Yah had them number Israel. We just read about that, right? Right. Then he had them number the Levites. We just read about that, right? Right. Now we didn't read about it. Um, but he also had them number the firstborn because the Levites, they were to be his instead of the firstborn, right? So after he numbered the Levites, which their number came to 22,000, after he numbered the Levites, he then had them number the firstborn because the Levites were in the stead or place of the firstborn, right? So then he had to number the firstborn. Now the firstborn came to 22,373. Okay? So there weren't enough Levites to cover the firstborn. So the Israelites had to redeem or buy back the extra at five shekels apiece. And so I didn't want to leave that out. I wanted, wanted you to know, like, you know, because there is a connection between the firstborn and Yah. You know, and the Levites is the representation of those firstborn. They're taken in lieu of. Anybody with me? Yeah. All right. So I, I just didn't want to just skip over that because that's. It's, it's some, it's some good stuff in there that I just, I'm just not going into at this time. But, say lot. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Take your time. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, "Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leaper and every one that has an issue, and whoever is defiled by the dead." Hmm? defiled by the dead. Both male and female shall ye put out without the camp shall ye put them, that they defile, defile not their camps in the midst wherefore I dwell. And the children of Israel did so and put them out without the camp as Yahuwah spoke unto Moses. So did the children of Israel. And Yahuwah spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, when a man or woman shall commit any sin that the, that man commit, to do a trespass against Yahuwah, and that person be guilty. They shall confess their sins which they have done, and he shall we, we <coughs> confess his trespass, his trespass with the principle, therefore, and add unto it the fifth part, therefore, and give it unto him against whom he hath trespassed. 
But if the man have no kinsmen to we we compass the trespass unto let the trespass be when we confess unto Yahuwah, even to the priest, beside the wham of the atonement, whereby an anointment shall be made for him, and every offering of all the holy things of the children of Israel, which they bring unto the priest, shall be his, and every man hallowed things shall be his. Whatsoever any man giveth the priest, it shall be his. Hallelujah. Okay, so here it is. We see verse 2 says, Command the children of Israel that they put out the camp, every leper, everyone that have an issue, and whosoever is defiled by the dead, both male and female, shall ye put out without the camp, shall ye put them that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. That's huge. You know, for one, we can relate it to ourselves individually. In this tabernacle that we dwell in that we call our flesh bodies, we're not to bring anything within this place where Yah dwells that will defile it. Amen? Then we can apply it to our homes, which again is a type of our tabernacles or our camp, right? You know, we're not to bring in anything within to our homes, that is our, our camps, that will defile it. Because Yah wants to dwell in the midst of us. You know, so we're not to bring in anything or anyone that defiles it. That Yah won't become offended and leave us. If somebody has to leave, I don't know about you, but if somebody has to leave my camp and it comes down to them or Yah, guess who got to go? It's not going to be Yah. You follow me? You know, so we we have to we have to get to the point to where we treasure Yah's presence. And we have to get to the point to where we watch what we put in our temples and what we bring into the sanctuary of our homes. You know, so because these things can defile us to where Yah's presence will leave us. So that's the lesson that's being taught here. You know, now, I'm glad this second part came up because we touched on it in, in part one of Israel. And I got a lot of folks contacting me because they mistook or misunderstood, you know, what I was trying to communicate. So we're going to make certain that that doesn't happen today. And it's speaking of verses 5 through 10, you know, where it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, when a man or woman shall commit any sin that men commit. So this is, is any sin, you know, that folks commit. 
to do a trespass against Yahuwah and that person be guilty. You know, now, what is the protocol? Verse 7 tells us the protocol. It says, they shall confess their sin, which they have done. Now, last time I, um, I taught this, I had a bunch of people contacting me and saying, hey, what you saying? We supposed to come confess our sin to you? No, I didn't say that. Neither did the text say that. I don't know where folks got that from. But it's not in the text and it didn't come out my mouth. They shall confess their sin which they have done and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof and add it unto the fifth part thereof and give it unto him against whom he hath trespassed. So who should they be confessing their sin to? The one they trespassed against. Can you see that? You know, so look at it in, in this light. The one that they trespassed against may not even be aware that they trespassed against them. So, for instance, you know, say someone did something against someone and that person don't even know that they done it. You know, um, maybe they broke their window out. And so they obviously know their window is broke out, but they don't know who done it. And, you know, say that you did it because you were mad at that individual. And at the time, you just felt like you wanted to do something. So you decided to throw a rock through their window. Nothing I would recommend. Nevertheless, you decided to do it. Then afterwards, you got convicted. Now this person fixed their window, they had to fix their window or what have you. You know, they don't know who done it. They have no idea. But you do. You know who done it. You know it was you. And so your heart gets pricked. You get convicted. Now this is where it comes in at. You need to confess your sin. Concerning what you have done. Now, yeah, it's easy to just say, Yah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to throw that rock, I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna do it no more and leave it at that. But no, Yah said, no, that's not good enough. You have to go confess it to the person you trespassed against. You have to go let that person know it was you who knocked out their window. Then you have to make recompense. You have to supply the monies or materials that was needed to fix that window. You know, so if it's not fixed, you have to get it fixed. And if it, um, you have to get it fixed or fix it yourself or what have you. And if it is fixed, you have to repay, you know, the principle of what it costs to, to fix it. But then y'all says that's not good enough. Because now you made the situation right, correct? So it's right. But he said that's not good enough. Now you have to add a fifth unto that. So whatever that was, and if it was $100 to fix the window, now you owe another $20, you know, as the fifth. And you to give it to him in whom you trespassed against. So at the end of the day, the person you trespassed against, they got their window fixed. 
and they got an extra $20. Can you see that? Now, lo and behold, if while that window was broken, a raccoon climbed through it. I know the story just gets better, right? <laughs> a raccoon climbed through the window and ramished, ramp, rampaged through, through the kitchen and destroyed all the food in the cupboards. Now you have to replace all the food in the cupboards as well. Whatever the principle thereof is, and you're still not through. Then you have to add a fifth to that. Now you've made it right. Now you're good, right? No. No. <laughs> There's more. Y'all says in verse 8, you know, uh, well, not in verse 8, but he, he, he mentions it in, in verse 8, the ram of atonement. You then would have to go to the priest and bring a sacrifice to the priest of Elohim, which is like bringing a sacrifice to Yah because that's his representative. You know, and so that he can make atonement for your trespass against Yah. Because whenever you trespass in Israel, because Israel is Yah's covenanted people, you don't just trespass against the Israelite, you also trespass against Yah. And so not only do you have to make it right with the Israelite, your brother or sister, you also have to make it right with Yah. And even if it wasn't an Israelite, it say it was a happy heathen. You still carrying Yah's name upon you. And so you bringing shame to his name because they know that you're a follower of him. So you still got to do the same thing. And you still got to go and take um, an offering to the priest. The Ram of Atonement. Can you see that? Now, if folks practice that, they probably wouldn't trespass as much. Amen? They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to afford to trespass too much. <laughs> well, I can't afford to make that trespass. I think, uh, I think I'm going to just leave that alone. You know, so. <laughs> but that's what that looks like. That's what that looks like. You know. Verse 8 continues on, it says, But if the man has no have no kinsman to recompense the trespass unto, let the trespass be recompensed unto Yahuwah, even a priest. So after you've done this, and lo and behold, like, okay, the um, you know, you knocked out the window, the raccoon got in, he ravaged everything, you know, and you know, the person that happened that it happened to just so happens, you know, to have died soon after. You know, not because of what you did. They just died. It was just their time to go. Before you could, you know, um, confess your sins to them. They don't have, if they have any kin, then you're supposed to go and do the same thing to their next of kin. If they don't have any next of kin, then you go to the priest. You go to Yah. And see, you still don't get to get out of making the recompense. 
You still don't get to get out of adding the fifth to the recompense. You still don't get to get out of offering the ram of atonement. Even if the person is not don't exist no more, even if they don't have no no next of kin, you still don't get to get out of it. You still have to make recompense and atone for that trespass. Can you see that? Even if you have to take it to Yah and um, via his representative, i.e. his priest. And in that case, you would confess to the priest. You know, because that would be like going to somebody and saying, you know, okay, with the window in um, in the fifth situation. So that's, it came to $120 total, right? $100 to fix the window, $20 for the fifth, right? If you don't confess, you know, that's that would be the equivalent of you going to someone and saying, oh, man, here you go, Sister Asif. That's $120. And you're like, thank you. You know, but what's this for? Uh, don't worry about it. I, I messed up. I owe you. I, I got to give you that. No, that's not good enough. I have to tell Sister Asif what I did and why I owe her that $120. You know, the trespass that I did against her. You understand? Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how that go. Mm. You know, and so this is how the atonement shall be made. Now, verse 9 goes on to say, Every offering of all the holy things of the children of Israel which they bring unto the priest shall be his. And every man's hollow things shall be his. So if you hollow something and you give it to Yah, you have to give it to Yah via his representative, i.e. his priest. You know, and whatsoever any man giveth the priest, it shall be his. You know, and so that's how that goes. You know, that's all I have for you today. Pray was a blessing. Amen.